Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. I want you to take your Bibles and let's go over to Exodus, Exodus, the first chapter. Exodus, the first chapter. As you're turning there, I'm going to give you some announcements. First, I want to say thank you to all of those that, that came out and helped uh, yesterday, uh, even in the sleet. <laughs> so we got to, we, we've uh, passed out food in the rain, and now we can say we passed it out in the sleet. And so thank you for coming out and helping with that. We had, we ran out, we had, as we so often do, we had 300 families that came through. That was about the 1,200 individuals that were blessed by, by what you did yesterday. So thank you, thank you. Also, uh, tonight, if you want, uh, in, I keep failing to, uh, to announce, but in room 105, my left, your right, there is a room, there's someone that has donated some books that are in there, a lot of theology books, a lot of good reading. If you would like any or all of those, please help yourself. Uh, we're going to shut that down here in another, another week or so. In fact, whatever's not gone by Monday or uh, Sunday, Monday, it's going other places. So I want you to take your Bibles with me, if you will. I'll give the rest of the announcements in the service here. First off, I'm going to start with, with Psalms 16 and 5. Psalms 16 and 5. And unless you have the Passion Translation, you're not, going to, you're not going to have this translation here. I don't know that any other version there says it quite like this. But in the month of December, in the month of December, I preached a couple of Wednesday nights, and I talked about being born for crisis, born for crisis. I want, I want to touch a little bit on that, and I'm going to talk about Moses tonight. Uh, title of this evening's message is Made for This Moment. Made for This Moment. When the church stops to realize that the Lord could have placed you in any other time in history, in fact, when he breathed into Adam's nostril, I have no doubt he saw ahead of time and he saw you. Come on. When he, when he formed Adam in the dust of the earth, he, he, has the, he has not only the insight, he has the foresight. He could see you today. He knew exactly what generation you would be born in. There's something powerful about knowing that you didn't choose God. God chose you. He wasn't the one that was lost. We were lost, and we found him. He, we, or he found us. He brought us into his kingdom. And we need to understand that this life is a life that is meant to be lived with him and for him. And there's no greater joy than understanding that. But I, I want you to know as we look upon the landscape of the world today and we see the crises that are around and we do, we pray earnestly as a church for each one of those situations but as we look at that and we see the, the physical, the emotional, the, the economic impact of those things, it tells us that the days and the hours of the Lord's return is so very near. And that we have mission still. And the church is not here by accident. You're not here by accident. But in Psalm 16 and 5 it says this, Yahweh, you alone are my inheritance. You are my prize my pleasure and my portion. Oh, we could just stop right there and preach all day. Has the Lord become your prize? If he hasn't, keep searching. Has he become your pleasure? 
If he hasn't, keep looking for him. Does he become your portion, your daily bread, your, your nourishment, what you need in life? But this is the part I want to get to in this passage here. You hold my destiny and its timing in your hand. I leave my destiny and timing in your hand. So we look here in this way. I either got a different translation or you got one up there. But it's, uh, the translation I have is, you hold my destiny and its timing in your hand. So in other words, the Lord knows exactly where you're at. He knows what you're going through. It's that destiny that we have is, belongs to him. He holds it in his hands and he knows the timing. And that's what I want to kind of get into deeper tonight. We saw Joseph as we saw his purpose for a time of world crisis. We saw Esther. Her time was for a world crisis. And it's the right tool at the right time. Amen? It's the right tool at the right time. And tonight I'm going to look at Moses. I want you to begin reading here in, in chapter 1 of Exodus. Chapter 1 of Exodus. We begin reading here in the 8th verse. Now there rose, uh, there rose up a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to the people, Surely the people of the sons of Israel are more numerous and powerful than we. Let us deal wisely with them. Let least they multiply and it come to pass that when any war breaks out, they also join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with labor. They built for Pharaoh storage city, Phiphon and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, notice this, the more they multiplied and grew, so that as a result they abhorred the sons of Israel. They couldn't bring them down, they couldn't stop the covenant people of God. The Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor or cruelty. And they made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and in brick, in all manner of service in the field, and all their service in which they made them serve with, with rigor, 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 rigor. <laughs> As we look there and we see kind of the backdrop before Moses even steps onto the scene, we, we see Pharaoh. And what Pharaoh's doing is he's, He's causing a preemptive attack because he is threatened by the covenant people. He's got them subjugated, but he's doing a preemptive attack. So he's trying to, he, he's trying to bring them about and he, he's trying to use pain to persuade them. He is holding them tight-fisted under his control and he's trying to prevent them from growing. He, he's trying to prevent them from multiplying. He's trying to prevent them from getting stronger. But the more pressure he puts on them, the stronger they get and the more they multiply. So the persecution that he's bringing against them is, is just not working. 
In fact, it's having an adverse effect. And I don't know if they gathered together and maybe the principalities and powers didn't anticipate that. And I, I don't know that they begin to, to whisper, maybe we need to pressure them more. But still, it wasn't working. Still, they were becoming stronger and stronger. There are those of you that have wondered why in the world I've been placed in the pressure cooker that you're in. Could be that you are target of the enemy, that the enemy is after the covenant people of God. And that the more that the affliction comes, the more you are able to grow in the Lord. The enemy's desire is to shape us through circumstance. An unfortunate reality is the enemy will begin many times in our lives at a very early age. Because he, can, he knows very well if any one individual begins to understand that they're made in the image of God and that they have an inheritance with the Lord and there is a power and a portion that belongs to them through the Lord Jesus Christ, that his kingdom is in trouble. Because the kingdom of darkness cannot overcome the kingdom of light. It, it doesn't matter how dark the world gets. It cannot, as much power as it holds uh, in darkness, darkness cannot overpower the light. The only way that darkness can exist is the absence of light. So if you got light in the house and the one living inside of you is the Lord Jesus Christ, which is uh, the life of men, which is the light of men, let me tell you, the darkness has no authority, no power. It, in fact, it doesn't have any recourse but to put the light out. But we see here that the enemy has wanted to keep uh, humanity the rightful earthly image bearers of the one true and only God, his desire was to keep you from a very early age at a place where you would not understand who you are in the Lord. Because if you ever discover who you are in the Lord, you will discover, wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm not out of sync and I'm not out of time. I'm not a mistake and I am not a leftover, marginalized, reject. I am not an individual who's looking for purpose. I have a purpose. And I am made for this very moment. I am made for this time and space. I'm made for today. You are made for today. Everything you've gone through has brought you to where you are today. You're made. You are not only made, you're needed for this day. I want you to see here. Look there. His preemptive attack to stop the children of Israel from, from growing was not working. So he upped his game. I want you to look there in Exodus 1 and 22, one of the saddest verses in the Word of God, in my estimation. Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, You must cast every son that is born into the river. You must preserve every daughter's life. Pharaoh is threatened by the manifestation of sons.
kingdom of darkness, Satan and all the principalities and power are threatened by the manifestation of sons. We see a similar scenario that took place. This was a this was the Antichrist spirit working in the land, even in the days of Pharaoh. And then the Antichrist spirit was working again in the land, in a land called Bethlehem. Whenever the son was coming forth to bring forth uh, the rest of his sons into the kingdom of God and bring us into the manifestation of the weos, the fully matured sons of God. Because he was going to give power for you and I to become those sons. And now again, the, the enemy, is he is threatened by the manifestation of sons because sons are no longer slaves. They are not under the, the tyranny of the enemy. In fact, they are now in control of their own faculties. They have the, the strength of mind. They have a disciplined mind. They are not those who shrink back, but they press into the righteousness of God. They understand that they are the righteousness of God. They are the righteousness of God. Because he died for us. And he imparted and infused within us right standing before God. His righteousness dwells in the heart of his covenant people. So we have Pharaoh here. He's trying to stomp out sonship. He's trying to prevent, he is threatened by the manifestation of sons. And I, I've, I've seen and heard things that, quite frankly, are just uh, baffling to me. That there is a formulaic idea that the supernatural power of God can be turned on like a switch and turned off like a switch. You can raise your hands and there's the power of God. You can drop your hands and the power is gone. That's baffling to me. Let me tell you how the manifestation of the power of God is meant to flow through your life. It's in relationship. It's in inheritance. It's in knowing who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is understanding that God had died, he rose again, and he raised you up in high and heavenly places as he is seated at the right hand of the Father. You and I have also not only lived in this life, but we have died with him, we have risen with him, and vicariously we are sitting at the right hand of the Father. Why did he sit? It wasn't because he was tired. He sat down because the the work is complete. So we see that there was a threat with the relationship between us and the Father. I love the Word of God. In Romans 18 and 24, it says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. Woo! For the earnest expectation of the creature, creature, creation, the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons, the weos of God, the fully mature sons of God. Properly, this means a son either by birth 
or adoption. But I like this part. Figuratively, it's anyone sharing the same nature as their father. It's anyone that shares the same nature of their father. So we can be born into the kingdom of God. We can be adopted into the kingdom of God. We can be infused into the kingdom of God. And because his spirit lives inside of us, we bear his nature. Thus, we are his sons. And the entire world, creation included, is waiting upon the manifestation of us to come to maturity in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the knowledge of the Father and of the Son. So we see that Pharaoh used pain to, as persuasion and Pharaoh is threatened by the manifestation of sons. So let me say to you, the attack that has been on your life from the very moment that trouble began, whether in early age or later on in life, it was a direct assault that was not only personal, but it was also an attack to prevent you from ever knowing truly who you are. To ever truly knowing who you are. But if you didn't hear anything else I said tonight, I hope that you picked up on that, that text we started with. That your destiny and its timing is in the Lord's hands. Amen. Your destiny and its timing is in the Lord's hands. Now, as we look here, I want us to see Moses as he is made for the moment of time that he was brought into. Moses is not here today. He wasn't made for this time. Moses wasn't here in the 60s. Maybe we could have used him, but he wasn't here. He, was, he had his time and space, and it was for that moment of time. But he's not here anymore. There are great men and women of God that they had their moment, they recognized their moment, and they decided to live to the fullness of God in that moment. Oh, I'm just looking around and waiting in anticipation. I feel the anxious desire of the Holy Spirit coming down from the Father of lights, saying, oh, I want my children to manifest who I am in them and through them and march around their city and discover the power that resides within them. Thank God for the shoulders we stand on tonight. But Reinhard Balky, one of the greatest evangelists in modern history, he's not here anymore. He had his moments. It's a beautiful thing as we sit in a meeting here. Few, just not too many years back and my son was sitting on the front row with many of the youth uh, that are from our church and we were at a district council. Reinhard Balky was up there sitting down on a stool. This man who'd seen altar calls, not congregations, not gathering, altar calls. Not 100,000, not just 300,000, not 500,000, but he had an altar call of a million people. Elijah had the privilege of being a part of some of those meetings there. 
where literally people were so far out in the horizon that you couldn't even see the horizon. Well, tell me God can't do something. So as we look here, we thank God that those individuals' moments are, they have passed. We glean from them. But let me tell you, they would say to you, don't stop. There's a baton that has been passed to you. There's a mantle that has fallen. There's a lot of mantles sitting by the Jordan waiting to be picked up, waiting for men and women of God to walk over and grab those mantles and strike the Jordan and say, where's the God of Reinhard Bonnke? Where's the God of Moses? Where's the God of Joshua? Where's the God of Billy Graham? Where's the God that calls forth the dead? Where's the God of lights? Where is he? So as you look here, here's Moses. He was born in the lap of luxury and never had a moment's trouble. You had not read the story, have you? He was born in oppression because he was made for that moment. He was born with a death sentence. He wasn't the one that was supposed to make it. He wasn't the one that was supposed to survive. In fact, there was a death sentence set upon him. He was to be cast in the river. Now, what we see is that his mother hid him in the house. And then she hid him in the river. And then he was hid in Pharaoh's house. Then he was hid on the backside of the desert. He wasn't hiding. He was hidden. There's a big difference between hiding when you're, when you're hiding out like King Saul, knowing that you've, you've been anointed to do something, but you're hiding among the stuff, the baggage, uh, you're, you're hiding behind all your baggage. I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I, I, can't, I can't accomplish that. Have you seen my family? Have you seen my lineage? Did you see where I came from? Do you know how messed up I am? You can hide behind your baggage, and that may feel like a legitimate excuse because it, it goes hand in hand with your unwillingness to step out. But then there's another thing about being hidden. Being hidden. Colossians 1 and 26 says, The mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Are you... Jewish, there may be someone in here, but I imagine 99.9% .9 sitting in this house are Gentiles. But what is the mystery? It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, mystery is not a riddle. See, a riddle can be solved by intuition, but a mystery in the Word of God must come it is a truth that must only and can only be revealed through revelation 
a truth that can only be known by revelation and is not by intuition. A mystery is something that was previously unknown and unknowable until God reveals it. So there was a mystery that there was a the hiding of the mystery of God from generation to generation to generation to generation. And there came a time when Jesus Christ came forth upon this earth. And as he came forth upon this earth, it was to reveal to you and I the mysteries of the kingdom of God. To show us what was previously unknown and unknowable through revelation. And what I understand is there are things that I don't know. But I don't even know what I don't even know. It takes the revealer to reveal that to me. Now, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to pursue after that matter. To search it out. To pursue. And I believe it's not because the power of God has ever waned. It's not because the power of God has ever diminished. It wasn't diluted from the cross. It started diluting from the, that time forward until we get here today. The power of God that flowed through the veins of the Lord Jesus Christ at sacrifice and then at, at resurrection and then at ascension is the same power that abides within the heart of the church. That power has not diminished and it's not increased. It's the same. It's the same power. Why aren't we operating in that level of Acts 2, 3, 4, 5. I believe, folks, that with any opposition that the enemy brings forth, when the enemy comes in like a flood, there has to be a stronger standard that comes against that flood. There has to be a, an equal, greater opposition to that flood that comes in. And I believe that there is revelation that is yet to awaken the church. But that revelation that is here now is going to unveil that the power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power abiding in you and I. And when we begin to discover that wait just a minute, wait just a minute, I don't have to strive in order to be righteous. I was given righteousness at my birth. I don't have to strive to get the power. The power was given to me at birth. I don't have to strive to get the Father's favor. The Father's favor was given to me and Jesus Christ took up residence inside of my heart. Wait just a minute. There are darkness all around me. There must be some light I can shine. My world around me. Wait just a minute. Maybe, just maybe what this preacher is saying might be true. Could it be that God has purposed for you to be in this moment, in this space, in time? But he made you for today, for right now. Not for a futuristic, but folks, there is a, there needs to be 
a pleading on our behalf, and maybe the pleading is not the right word. An understanding that if we will continue on this chronos, this chronological time, this time that we set a clock to and a calendar to, and if we continue on that, we continue to march forward in the things of God, not in our effort, but in the effort of the Holy Spirit. We just keep moving in that, in that direction in which God has called us. That we will reach that kairos, that moment, in, that God moment in time. I have learned more in the last three years than I've had in the last 30 years. Doesn't hurt to have a resident theologian living in your house, but man, it's, it's been good stuff. But it's not just that, it's the revealing of the Holy Spirit. He just begins to unfold truth and unfold truth. And there's a wealth of revelation that God wants you and I to receive. But as we look here, I want you to see that Moses is made for his moment just like you're made for your moment. And you wonder how in the world did you make it through what you made through, made it through. Now, I always envision, I always envision, uh, make sure I didn't leave any good stuff on there. I always envision that Jacobed, Moses' mother, she made this ark out of pitch and tar and she put a lid on it, one that would float. She couldn't, I don't know, maybe there was patrols coming around the house and maybe somebody was going to tell off on her. I heard a crying baby over at Jacobed's house. You need to maybe go check it out. But it reached a point she could no longer conceal Moses in the house. So she put him in this ark that she had made and and, and she put him in the Nile. I always envisioned that, yeah, she just put him out in the current and he just took off. But the Bible doesn't read that way since he was put in the reeds. I don't know, maybe she was just relocating him to, in order that, that she could get down there to get to him. But she couldn't keep him in the village because there's too many, too many years around. I, I don't know. This is all speculation. But he was, the, the Bible says he wasn't put out in the current and he didn't take off. He was set among the reeds. But Pharaoh's daughter went down to that particular spot for her bath, her Calgon, take me away. <laughs> Moment. And most historians believe that Pharaoh's daughter was barren and couldn't bear a child. So her heart was yearning for a child. And here her daddy is killing children, aborting children to the river, throwing them in and watching the sons drown. And when they opened it up, she had no doubt because the word clears to us, this is one of those Hebrew children. So let's not cast him away. And oh, it just so happened that uh, the elder sister Miriam was there. It's like, hey, you need a wet nurse? I know someone. I know someone that could take care of this baby, baby for you and, and wean him. Uh, well, I tell you what, take him on and I'm going to pay you for it. Don't you know? The Lord had a divine setup right there. 
But see, if it wouldn't been the, the Lord holding back the conception in that womb of that woman, maybe she would have never longed for that child. And that child was saved. And you may sit back and think that your circumstance, even though you were brought into Pharaoh's house, living under the roof of the devil himself, come on, thinking God's forgotten me, God has abandoned me. God has rejected me. Maybe the Lord was sovereignly keeping you. And no, I'm not telling you that what happened to you was the will of God. But what I will tell you is that God will work everything to his will. Come on. Wasn't the will of God that I live in a house where I was abused? But let me tell you, the Lord kept me in all of that. And he restored, oh, so much more than I ever lost. He brought it back. He gave me a new lease on life. He gave me a new outlook. And he gave me a healing in my heart that I don't carry around as a, as a, as a badge of honor. I know that God is sovereign and that God's a keeper and that God has a plan. And the Lord has made me for this moment. It's like he's made you for that moment. So he sovereignly kept you. It's amazing to me that Jochebed never mentions that she named her child. Hebrew boys are giving their children, I believe the girls at, I know at the boys at the eighth day, whenever they are circumcised, they declare the name. We know according to Jewish history. But there's no mention of Moses being given a name. But Pharaoh's daughter named him descriptively. Moses means drawn out. Drawn out. Where was he drawn out from? The Nile, the river. Rivers in the word of God generally have a very positive imagery. They represent the spirit. But in this particular case, he wasn't drawn out of what would be representation of the spirit. He was drawn out of a place of sorrow, pain. A place that should have been a a, a source of livelihood, a, a place where you would go gather water, a place where many of the, uh, the fertile soil would be there that you would plant. It was, a, it was a place. It was no longer a life source. It was a place of sorrow. Because now the mothers in Israel, every time they went to that river, they were reminded of the suffering and the cries and the wailing, and they watched their children perish in that place. And the Lord decided that would be a perfect place for me to draw out a deliverer. Draw out that deliverer. I had ministered along these texts, along these lines, but as I was walking in prayer today, I said, Lord, what do you want to talk about tonight? 
What do you want to discuss? What is it that's on your heart? What is it that you want to impress upon your children tonight? And the Lord impressed upon me that someone would be here tonight that has tried to put rhyme and reason to all the suffering and the hurt that you have endured. And the Father would say to you tonight, there are many, many things that happened to you that were not his will. Our Father is not an abuser. Our Father is not one who, who inflicts that kind of pain upon his children. But the Lord has kept you. He's kept you. And he drew you out of that place of suffering so that he could reveal his son in you that you may lead many others out of their suffering he has given you a ministry of reconciliation he's going to use the things that you have gone through and he's going to unveil to you the riches of his glory and his grace because you're made for today you're made for this moment in time this moment in history we get this little dash that's going to be imprinted upon our tombstone one day we got a start date and an end date and on the timeline of eternity all the way gets that little dash I don't know about you, but I want to make the most out of that little dash. I want to share as much as I can in that little dash. I'm telling you, uh, uh, 60 years of age used to, 50 years of age used to sound old to me, but it's gotten awfully young. <laughs> Somebody's looking younger all the time. We have that little bit of space and time. And I honestly believe that we're going to be the generation that sees the Lord come. That doesn't forfeit the work. It doesn't put us in an escapism. It just tells us the Lord is coming. And we need to... Don't put off your bills and hope of the rapture. Come on, that's not how you live. I know some folks that live that way. <laughs> I'm going to postpone that bill until, because I'm believing for the rapture. I had somebody actually tell me that one time. You got to occupy till he comes. But I want you to take just a moment. I am closing. I want you to take just a moment. Just stop where you're at. How much different would your life be if instead of hiding and carrying and walking around with this heavy load of disappointment? that you just brought it to the Lord as a sacrifice and said, Lord, I think you could do something with this. And watch God take that. See, we want to give people our, our great presentation of, of our ideal self. I'm going to show you the greatness of who I am. So you can be impressed. But let me tell you, I found that what impresses people the most is the authentic self. 
who you really are, what you've really gone through. And when you learn to be comfortable in your own skin and you're just proud of what he has done for you, to you, and through you, and your boast is not in what you've done, your boast is what he's already done. And we, we look at others and say, hey, wait on in. It's, this feels good. God didn't heap upon you the life of despair and, and grief and sorrow for the rest of your life. I know there's journeys and times we go through that, but folks, there's, 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 there's times, there's days of rejoicing because we're bringing in the harvest, amen? So the Lord's going to be using your situation. Won't you stand? Worship team's making their way back up tonight. someone tonight that the Lord knew would be here? Are you that individual that's been trying to put rhyme and reason, wondering, longing? Tonight with heads bowed, There's going to be some exchange tonight. The Lord's going to, he's going to do something tonight in you. He's going to exchange your misery. There's been experiences that have just been miserable. He's going to replace that misery with your purpose in this moment. Think about it just a minute. The pain, he's going to assign it a purpose. He's going to assign it a purpose. You didn't make it out on your own, and you're not going to continue on your own. Some folks are already responding right now. You want that exchange tonight. Just come on and lay it down. Come on. Come on. We got time. We got time. Lord, I, I want my pain to have purpose. I want it to have purpose. 
I don't want it to be a badge of honor. I want it to be an instrument in your hand that you take against the enemy. Lord, I just, I want it to be a purpose. That disappointment, Lord God, you're going to turn to rejoicing, Lord. That, that sorrow, Lord God, you're going you're gonna to cause me to sing over that sorrow, Lord. There's an exchange, folks, that's taking place right now. The Lord is releasing. He's letting, he, he's bringing revelation tonight. But it's all not going to be wasted, but the Lord is going to use it for his glory. Come on. Come on, somebody else in this house tonight. We, we've got to, come on, let's take just a few more minutes. Step out from that seat and say, God, that's me. That's me. I want my pain to have purpose. I want my pain to have a, be assigned a purpose tonight. I'm going to let it go, and I'm going to find healing from it. And, Lord God, I'm going to take the disappointments, and I'm going to leave them here. And, Lord God, I'm going to understand that, Lord, it's not my life. It's not, Lord God, my experience anymore. I'm letting it go. I'm releasing it into your hands. It is yours to have. It's yours to use. However you desire. Oh, I tell you, God's doing something in this house. And I come on, come on. He's moving in this place. He's reaching down. He's touching hearts. I'm going to give just a few more moments. And then we're going to begin to move in these altars as the worship team leads us. But if you say tonight, I want an exchange. I want to let it go. I want to let it go tonight. No longer me and no longer my wants. But Lord God, I want, to, I want you to use me as, a, as in this moment of time. I want to understand, reveal yourself to me. Show me, Lord God. Show me, Lord, what a healed heart looks like. Show me, Lord God. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please stay in the altar until we have an opportunity to pray for you. Right now, the